Hello, everybody, and uh, welcome to Wilderness Voice, Episode 3. Um, I think we're going to be going over today the ministry of Jesus and the Protestant Reformation. And uh, we'll try to tie this into the modern day and what we experience on a day-to-day -day basis. And uh, I guess we can go ahead and jump right in. Anything you want to say? Well, the biggest thing I think is, is that most of the issues that we have today in the modern culture, we seem to always think that, you know, man, it's worse now than than it's ever been. And one of the things I'd like to say is, is that it's not worse now than it's ever been. Uh, there have been horrible periods throughout history where human loss of life and and just absolute oppression and man just just famine and wars and, and cruelty that's unimaginable so no we're not in the worst that's ever been uh, we're dealing with humanity and the thing that we try to look at is is okay do we want to sit here and complain about how bad humanity is or how bad society or or how bad crime or how bad poverty are do we want to try to offer solutions uh, this goes really along with the church we are to set the tone of the world instead of the world setting the tone for the true church we are called to imitate Christ and if we are then why do we spend all of our time trying to fit in with society. So with that in mind, I think if we go back and talk about beginning with the early church, uh, there were some key points with early church. They had one goal, one vision. Uh, it was to bring about the kingdom of God. And I guess the thing that, and, and anytime we talk about stuff, we should always look at ourselves first. But one of the things that, that's so difficult with living in the world, no matter what time that you're living in, is the basic human desire for more. And, you know, today as we record this, uh, this is just an intro into basically probably a, a series because I mean it's really too much to cover in just episode three. Oh, it's absolutely. With the, I mean we're only doing like forty-five minutes to an hour-long podcast, and this is a lot, a lot of it's a very uh, meaty subject. It's a lot to cover. No, oh, absolutely. But as we record this today, you know we've. All today we've sat and pondered current events and uh, you know there was again two mass shootings within 24 hours within 24 hours everybody the media loves that so they just get more and more time to spend that stuff up and have ratings and and it's not a debate whether guns should be legal or guns should be illegal the fact is is we have a human problem and that problem 
has reoccurred time and time and time again throughout history. And and humans are the de- common denominator here. Um, Absolutely. Australia and England, uh, they have problems with beheadings. And then in China, not too long ago, a guy took some lighter fluid and a torch and lit like 20 people on fire in a you know in a crowded area. I mean, whether or not the tool is that they're using to or the or the weapon they're using is almost irrelevant as to why are people doing this people are the common denominator whether it's a knife whether it's a torch and accelerant whether it's uh an assault rifle a suicide bomber or a suicide bomber or a, a drone strike in the middle east no absolutely i mean Humans are the ones pulling the trigger on these weapons at the end of the day. Absolutely. And the only cure for this is we have to change the culture. And not just here, but worldwide. But but one of the things that I think <coughs> excuse me, has had, had so much significance with ours is we're so driven and so consumer-oriented and so more 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 oriented until we've allowed our culture to deteriorate we tend to as humans have this thought that i deserve this or i deserve that or i should have this or i should have that when the fact of the matter is none of us actually deserve anything and if we go back getting on topic the early church understood the need for community they understood the need to make sure that everybody was taken care of now that doesn't take away the response people the responsibility of people to provide for themselves don't get me wrong but there was no need within the christian community and i want to read y'all a scripture because this is kind of where we're going to kick off the series at it's in acts chapter 3 Verse 17, And now, brothers, I know that you did it in ignorance, just as your leaders also did. But what God predicted through the mouth of all the prophets, that his Messiah would suffer, he has fulfilled in this way. Therefore, repent and turn back, that your sins may be wiped out, so the seasons of refreshing may come in the presence of the Lord. And he may send Jesus, who has been appointed Messiah for you, Heaven must welcome him until the times of restoration of all things which God spoke about by the mouth of his holy prophets from the beginning. The whole plan for humanity is all, is, has never changed. It's always been that God's kingdom reign. And this scripture tells us that Jesus had to come, he had to die, and he had to be received into the heaven for a time until the restoration of all things takes place. Now, this subject's deep. Uh, And one of the things that we wrestle against that that religion for the last 150 years has tried to tell us that we're supposed to just hang on, hunker down, and, and wait to get taken away from here, when Jesus never told us to hang, hang on, hunker down, retreat from the world and go out into the world exactly we're supposed to be engaging this world with the light of the gospel now 
when the early church first formed, there was so powerful a sense of community until they appointed elders and they made sure that everybody had food, everybody had clothing, everybody had what they needed. They weren't perfect. There were some divisions there. At one point in time, the Jewish uh, Christians had, had made a complaint that, well, not them. It was another group. The I think it was the Greek Christians were yeah, saying that this, the, you went over this in Bible study. Yeah, the, the Greek Christians saying that they were mistreated and didn't yeah, get the same as the cut. Their widows didn't get the same yeah. measure that the widows from Jerusalem did. Keep in mind, we're we're all we're human, and we always wrestle with imperfection because I've got a Bible study we just put up on the. Uh, streetscape page that that's really dealing with this issue but we always struggle with our soul or our minds and that's kind of like a lot of what i want to talk about our soul is it, our mind is soulish it, it thinks with emotion it reacts with desire emotion so many of these things that that our spirit have to bring into control and that's a process as we walk through life and we learn and we go through sorrows and we go through blessing and we go through trials we've got to learn to react out of our spirit so the early church had a hold of this and that's one of the reasons that it multiplied so fast because people saw the love that they had for one another and they saw how they treated one another and they saw that they had true community. One of the reasons that we have so much of these problems in our modern world is we don't have community anymore. And, and, and another thing, going back into current events of the, of the day, uh, most of the time, these guys that carry out these crazy crimes that none of us can understand just walking in a Walmart and shooting a massive amount of people it's a mental health issue if we had true community maybe just maybe we could stop some of these things the model of the early church was they had all things in common everyone knew each other and examples is another one not I mean leaders that they don't divide us. Leaders that call us together in times like this. Leaders that don't try to blame one group or another group. Leaders that solve problems and unify, I mean, people. Absolutely. I mean, that's what a leader is supposed to do. And there's, I mean, no one does things like that anymore. And we don't have it in the modern church because the modern church has become more about building its own little kingdom. And they don't back up what they say. Right. We don't have, and like John Huss was a very well-known reformer um, of, the, of the Protestant Reformation or, and maybe, and probably one of the best, well, most well-known. And um, he said, you know, when he died, he said, uh, 
what I taught with my lips, now I seal with my blood. That's powerful. I mean, I, who says things? I mean, who does stuff like that anymore? Nobody back. Nobody is, has a point or a belief that they're willing to back up 100% like that. No. Well, and and it more of the modern day Christian is is and been leaders. It's more about how much they can obtain. And we've equated wealth with God's blessing, which nothing could be further from the truth. It was Huss wealthy? No. What was his one desire? The truth. He had a, he, that was his big thing. He had a, he, that, he taught on truth. That was a huge thing he done, and it got him killed. And you'll look back, and people that tell the truth throughout history normally don't have a very long lifespan. <laughs> and he, 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 he would say, you know, therefore, I have to pull it up. It's a, uh, here it is. It's uh, he would say, therefore, faithful Christian, seek the truth, listen to the truth, learn the truth, love the truth, tell the truth, learn the truth, defend the truth, even to your death. Wow, that's powerful. Well, today, <laughs> uh, truth has become convenient. It's subjective as well. You have your truth, I have my truth. Okay, man, we're going to get into a real uh, a thought here. I will guarantee you that most of the people that are listening to this podcast right now, if they're truthful with themselves, they're going to say truth is subjective. Almost. Almost everyone, and I didn't realize how many people were taught this, are taught throughout school and by their parents as well, that truth is subjective. You know, we have our truth, they have our truth. There's no concrete black and white anymore. And where that, well, I hate to break it to you, but that's not how the world, world works. There's truth. There's, there's things that are right. It's things that are wrong. There's nothing, there's, it's, there. I mean, those things like that exist. There are areas where there's gray. But for the most part, what you, you deal with, what the most things you deal with in your daily life, and truth, when it comes to truth, it's either truth or it's, or it's not. not. There's no, there's no such thing as a half truth. No, there's a no. A partial truth. Your truth. A relative truth. My truth. Absolute. Truth is truth. the only truth. Find another. Truth. If you want to, if you want to, you have a belief. Now oh. that can be your belief. Okay, this this will be interesting. All right. Was truth subjective to Martin Luther? No. These guys that died. That's the, I mean, you can't believe, you can't believe you're right more. Than being willing to be burned at the stake for what you believe. Which Martin Luther, he was just persecuted really bad. You know, he ended up dying of natural causes. But John Huss, not not as pretty of a death. Read his death. Uh, Pull it up real quick. When you look at, at this whole matter of truth. Okay. If truth, if truth is subjective, then there cannot be an absolute truth. Let's see. If 
Uh, July 6, 1415, the Czech religious reformer Jan Hus, condemned as a heretic against the doctrines of the Catholic Church, was burned at the uh, burned at the stake. Doesn't get much worse than that. Okay, then let me ask another question. Was was truth subjective to Paul? When he started out, maybe. Once he received the absolute truth of Jesus, no. However, we also see examples of even the apostles struggling with truth, their truth or everybody's truth. You know, Peter didn't want to eat bacon when the Jerusalem council, it probably wasn't bacon, but it was pork. Yeah. He didn't want to eat it when the council from Jerusalem was there because they had abstained still from eating pork, which is fine. And, and you know what? If, if you want to abstain from eating pork, that's fine. It's probably more healthy, but, you know, that's not your truth. But, but the Lord told Peter to bless it and eat it. So at, there's always going to be times in our life where we struggle with a subjective truth. Wow. I, I mean, I was where you were going, oh, go ahead. going with that. I never, this is brand new information to me. And I just took a class on this stuff. Um, among Jan Hus's dying words, he proclaimed, In a hundred years, God will raise up a man whose cause for reform cannot be suppressed. His then his ashes were gathered and cast into the nearby Rhine River. Almost exactly a hundred years later, in 1517, Martin Luther nailed his famous 95 Thesis <laughs> into the church door at Wittenberg. The prophecy of John Huss had come true. Wow. That's brand new. I didn't, I, I'd never read that. But when we, okay, and, and we're going to spend some time looking at these guys and hopefully moving into modern times with what what we see and what we deal with on a daily basis but i think it's important because this however this is a podcast so we can we can take it long or it's, yeah um <laughs> uh, no one tells us what to do here last week i was listening to a guy and a podcast and dr cornell west yeah, yeah. The, great I, guy if any of you have time definitely uh no matter what your thoughts on Joe Rogan are, um, the episode with Dr. Cornell West or just anything that Dr. Cornell West has spoke on, it's worth Powerful. just... And, and one of the things, and I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I agree with everything that he says because I don't. He has some thoughts that I can't make work totally. And really, let's be honest here. Have you ever met anyone other, or have you ever heard of anyone other than Jesus that you agree 100% on everything Absolutely not. That's not, if, if there's someone else that you agree 100% on, me and you don't even agree 100%. No, not at all. Uh, one of the things he's, he made a statement, this guy, man, is like, more people need to hear him because this guy's about love and he makes no bones about the fact that, that he is a Christian and, and the more I research and the more I see what he does, this brother walks his faith. Yeah. But he made a comment. And he's a Christian, and he, he's a professor at Harvard. Yeah, like, and he's that's, a Christian, unabated. And, and that's a rough place. It is. Me. 
But man, he, he made a comment. He said, and I forget which one of the philosophers wrote this like in the 1600s, but he said that Socrates never wept. Never cried. But Jesus never laughed. Y'all think on that just for a second. Yeah. And then he went up. Socrates went so far in his pursuit of knowledge that it was so, you know, it was all reason. There was He was never to be unreasonable. That when his wife came in and was crying when he was about to be executed, he told them to send her away that he couldn't bear, you know, because he didn't want to cry. But that in, was his big thing. But in the same same sense, the greatest philosopher, preacher, king, whatever you want to put to him, Jesus, there's nowhere in Scripture that we ever see he laughed. Never laughed. Maybe a grin can be det- uh, can be when he turned the water into wine. It can be people have discerned a grin well, there. Well, but, but it's still. It, but you, the thing about it no was, laugh. is, I mean, if there was any point that he would even grin, you know, man, I, I tend to think that you had these guys traveling together and sleeping outside. I mean, you know, there had to be some some cutting up. But some, they never mentioned But it. they never mentioned it. But when he, when he went in the wedding at Cana, and, and this is profound, and, and a messianic, Jewish preacher taught me this. He said, one of the things you guys miss so much not knowing Jewish tradition is one of the things you miss so much about Jewish tradition and it is not learning historical backgrounds. Well, any water or anything that was at a wedding it, it was considered a holy, it was a ceremony. So, anything that was provided there had to come from the temple or it had to come from the synagogue. So these urns of water were basically holy water. They'd been blessed by the priest at the synagogue. They were brought to this wedding. And then Jesus, when the wine ran out, he turned the holy water, consecrated by the priest, into wine and if he didn't grin right then but you know and but when i heard him say that dr cornell was i started thinking did is there was that meant like do you think that the apostles ever were reading or ever thought about their time with jesus and thought about how he never laughed and but my then on the flip side of that if they did why didn't they ever mention you know he never laughed so maybe they just didn't think anything of it well or they were just he was i mean it was just so profound i mean you know i I, it's just that's such a like that floored me when i heard that because i started thinking i was like so that is like that's so true you know socrates never cried Jesus never laughed. No, and, but one, okay, then why, let's go into why did Jesus never laugh? I'm sure he smiled. I'm sure, man, he had emotion. We know he wept. He cried. He cried over Jerusalem. He cried over Lazarus. But yet Jesus was so determined to bring forth his father's kingdom 
Didn't have no time for folly. He didn't have any time for folly. And, and man, when I... When and, and Socrates was so dead set on being the most reasonable. You know, his whole thing was reason that he had no time for grieving. You know, he seen it as unwe- unreasonable. Yeah. So, it's just... That's, when you... But when you look at philosophy, okay, and, and, and I forget the philosopher that said that, that the doctor quoted that, but but still there's a lot of times, if you look at, at the principles that Socrates, uh, Plato, that, that they put out, they were principles that was founded on peace, hope, and and... Well, justice, justice, morality, absolutely, virtue, and that's w- one of the things that that we're trying to do with the mission is we're we're really trying to teach that it's our responsibility to fix this world, and and <clears throat> the commonality between you guys might think we're crazy, but there's com- there's common ground from Socrates to the reformers. Yeah. Because they believed they had an abject truth. I personally believe that most of their abject truth came from ancient Hebrew. I believe somebody had those principles out there we can do that on another podcast because i don't think philosophy and faith have to be at war with one another nor does science and faith have to be at war with one another but right now we have a culture war that is ripping the foundation of this whole country apart and you have two primary groups you have the religious and i quote religious right and then you have the liberal left and the extremes on both sides are tearing more at the fabric of society and the body of Christ should be in the middle of this trying to advance truth and the truth is that our nation's a mess because we've lost community and we don't have the focus of the betterment of everybody and we're more focused on the betterment of ourselves. And this is part key into the Reformation because one of the things that spurned the Reformation, probably the biggest thing, was how much power the central church had and what it did with all the wealth. And there were people literally starving to death. Our problem, and I I will quote this probably a million times on this podcast, is exactly what Dom held of Kamara said. He said, when I give food to the poor, they call me a saint. But when I ask why the poor have no food, they call me a communist. Why are we, why are we expected to help? But when we ask those in power and others and the church, why the why are these people still like this? If we have all of these resources, 
and all of this money and we're the greatest nation on the planet why are there people still that are mentally ill shooting up malls why are there people starving to death why i mean why there's we shouldn't we should one we we should be able to ask that question we should and then we should be able to bring up solutions that are common sense and reasonable but too often as soon as you ask one of those questions people put their guard up oh my god oh my god he's going to say something i don't want to hear and then insults and then you know no one's going to talk because it's host it's just hostility Whenever we, you can't even talk about issues anymore. Because no, the minute you start talking about it, people get hostile. People get political. They want solutions. They want, they want peacocking, and it's it's such a ridiculous climate in the United States. And right it was now. the same climate when the Reformation. It was the same climate when Jesus was around. It was. It was the same climate when Martin Luther put the Ninety Five Theses on the Catholic Church, and it's the same climate that we're in right now. When we look at this, put this thought in your mind. If if I asked everybody in a church meeting, and I've done this before, right now, would you give your life for the purpose of the gospel? Would you be willing to lay down your life? And most of the time when you ask that question, everybody says yes. However, if we truly ask that question to ourselves and answer truthfully, would we be ready then? It's sort of like this old joke, man. A preacher told me years ago, he said, Sunday school teacher asked her class, said, hey, who in here wants to go to heaven? And there's 20 kids in the class and everybody raised their hand except for little Johnny. And she said, little Johnny? You don't want to go to heaven? He said, of course I do, ma'am. I just thought you was getting up a busload today. <laughs> it, you know, and the whole defending and, you know, being willing to to stand up for what's right. And it, John Calvin, he, he had one of his greatest quotes, you know, he used to say, a dog barks when his master's attacked. I would be a coward if I saw that God's truth is attacked, and yet I remain silent. Well, that's powerful. I mean... That's where the churches, they have their big conferences and, oh, they get, they get jiggy and they have it and then they're brought back to their, they don't, they don't do anything. It's all pomp and circumstance. It is. And why they, I mean, just turn it into, just be like the Freemasons. Well, well Freemasons, you know, they do scholarships. Just, just turn it into a, a social thing. Why even have to? Why do you attach? Why do you have to adhere to anything? That's pretty much where we are today. Yeah, though. like it's not. You're going to see your friends and family and stuff. I and mean, so many people just go to church because they feel like someone would ask them where they were if they didn't go. Well, absolutely. And like a lot of these new pop country songs, you know, Saturday night line dancing, bar hopping, tailgate, getting drunk, Sunday morning church. Yeah, I mean, it's and where did they get that from? Reality, art <laughs> imitates. And does, uh, but, but I say that all the time at the mission. I, I you know, when somebody, I, I, I really shouldn't be so hard on everybody, but some I'll say some when they're all griping about something, or 
I, I'll, I'll always say you're why if you're gonna gripe at Bible study, why even come? I know the only reason you come is because you're afraid that I'm gonna ask you why didn't you come to Bible study, and you don't want to be uncomfortable, so you come and then you gripe. Don't come. Just don't. Just don't. I mean, if you're gonna complain, well, then that's that's sad because it's like out of the people that that attend, you know, there's probably three people. Wow, man, you can't never look at the numbers because there's probably three people that actually are growing, and but it's not a yeah, it's not it's about not a having a hundred thousand people in a football stadium. No. It's about affecting people's personal lives to where they change and they're a better person. It's just like when me and you were talking about the El Paso shooting. It's not about who we're going to vote in 2020 to change what's happening right now. It's about what can we do today to make tomorrow a better place. Because we have to bring about this restoration, man. I mean, the reformers understood that. Uh, they understood that, that religion had gotten so out of hand, and, and therefore the world was out of hand. Uh Man, again, we tend to think that, that we live in the most gross of sin times. Well, we don't. No. And Solomon said there's no new thing under the sun. Literally, right now, if you just look at the statistics of it, you live, if you're alive today, which if I'm talking to you on this podcast, I would assume that, that you exist at the best possible time in human history. That you could have You are existed. not... Worrying about Viking boats showing up on the horizon to come steal your stuff. You're not worried about if you're going to catch smallpox or not. I mean, yes, we have problems. But comparatively to what people have dealt with throughout history, you don't have to worry about, you know, Butch Cassidy and the Wild Bunch stealing all your money from the bank. You know, it's... it's but at some point, uh, as as this restoration of all things takes place, I do believe we're going to have cycles to where there's horrible things. And, and, and I, you know what? I, I actually believe that we're going to face a lot of oppression. True believers actually are. I believe you're going to be persecuted right now. For the most part, we're not persecuted in America. I mean, you might not can put a sticker up at your workstation that says, I love Jesus, but what does the sticker matter if your life exhibits and, the fact And the other you... thing is, is people need to be real careful because you can get lost in the whole, it's, you know, it's so great now because so many people are like, oh, you know, America is the greatest place to be on the planet. It actually this, is. It, it is the greatest place to be on the planet, but you also, you know, just because your house has really good spots, you have to realize the bad. We have high, high, high prison population. The I mean, we have on the planet. Yeah, we have the highest incarcerated population on the planet. We have so many problems. We have these mass shootings that we just can't seem to make stop. Those are problems. Instead of, you know, getting caught up in all the bull crap, we have to, one, okay, first thing you do is that I'm very lucky that I exist. In 2019, I'm very lucky that I live in America. It's the best place to live on the planet. Absolutely. Now, With that, that comes I wanna, responsibility. Exactly. It's a responsibility. Now, I want to keep it that way. I want to make it better because it's not the best it could be. No. I want to make it better. So what can I do today to make tomorrow a better place? That's what John Calvin did. That's what John Huss did. And that's what, what John Luther Wycliffe did. did. Martin Luther did. Some of these guys died doing this. Some of these guys... Ran John, uh, 
Martin Luther was on the run, had so many times that he was almost caught. You know, some dude let him out the city gates while they were looking for him in the middle of the night. I providence mean, of God, man. Providence, but it's your responsibility to make tomorrow a better place. It is. It is, absolutely. And, and we've got to be stirred to a point to where we get like these guys and we go, you know what, I'm just not tolerating this anymore. I'm going to go forward and live my life as light. And I'm going to speak to as many people and not just speak, man. It's your actions that count. I'm going to compel people. Like Paul said in Romans, uh, I beseech you now, brethren, to present your bodies. Romans 12, 1, a living, holy sacrifice unto the Lord. He goes on to state that that is your spiritual worship. That, that we do whatever that we can, everything. It's all God's. and Everything we do, we do for the glory of God, for the advancement of the kingdom. And, and you know what? Nobody can stop you from that. So maybe you can't hang a Jesus poster on your workstation, but if you're living Jesus and shining Jesus and speaking Jesus and loving like Jesus, there's no denying who you are. And it's about today. It's not about tomorrow martin luther said even if i know that tomorrow the world will go to pieces i would still plant my absolutely. apple tree absolutely we have to and, and that's a balance and you know what that's another point where philosophy philosophers understood that they knew that these principles that they were and a lot of them extremely persecuted for themselves they knew that these principles would long outlast their lives and you know what we don't live like we want something or we can do anything that can go past us. Now, you know, for the most part, we can make a statement. Uh, Jackson, I just walked Carly in her wheelchair through the cemetery. Man, I don't have a clue who any of those people are. And that's one of the oldest cemeteries in Texas. And people died in the 18. But some of those people over there did. There's one guy, I can't remember his absolutely name. Absolutely changed the world. He was leading freaking battles in the Texas Revolution down here. Absolutely. There's a guy in there that was one of the founders of UTMB. Those guys are remembered. They, they are. did things that it wasn't easy for them a to legacy. do. It wasn't easy for them to do. No. But they did it anyway. Martin Luther, you know, he said, I, I mean, he when he was standing there, he he could have just made it all go away. He's standing there in front of when he was being, you know, he basically on trial in Verms. He said, I cannot and I will not recant anything for to go against my conscience is neither right nor safe. So here I stand and I can do no other. So help me God. Powerful. They realized that, yeah, this is the worst possible thing that I could do for my life right now. But this is going to help so many more people. Absolutely. And this is going to live on, live on forever. Martin Luther lived his life knowing that what he was doing was changing history. And he probably would never see it. And that he would probably end up dying somewhere along the lines of it. Jan Hus knew he was on a, he knew he was on, he was on his way and there was no getting out of it. So he just got crazier or more radical and more, more radical and more devoted about it and that's not how the modern church responds to persecution and that's not how they don't they don't do things like this anymore 
They mm. don't hold the faith like, and they don't defend the faith like they used to. No, they we lost something, because and we've we've made truth subjective. We've made truth subjective. We've made the uh, you know slip up your hand, you know, in the crowd if you. Yeah, yeah it's just yeah, if you want to if you want to be born again, if you're too ashamed to come down front, just slip your hands up. Oh, there's one there. There's one there. Whoa. Hallelujah. Whoa. We've made truth subjective. Pack the, pack the crowd, though. Get as many people in here. Give me a dollar or two as I can. And it's reflected in our cities. We're in desperate need of, uh, I'm not even going to say a reformation. We need a revolution. Some of the, there's, Houston, every town, there's one big church. And in that same town, there's people that are barely able to feed their kids. Absolutely. Houston's a great example of it. Absolutely. Joel Osteen, that church on 59, that one that looks like the the you know the Pantheon over there when you're leaving Houston. I don't even I think it's a it's a Hispanic church. Oh my gosh. You know the one with the gold roof yeah, and all that? Yeah, yeah like these church and in Houston next to the Astro Stadium, there's literally people withering away. It is. And Catching, you know, tents. There's so many tents down there that, oh, you know, they, but they bring up. There. It's all over the whole city. It, it, Galveston houses, I mean, you can't clear, like, literally, no matter how nice of an area it is, Houston has such a homeless problem that no matter, you can't get away from it. Yeah, Jay, where J.J. Watt lives and all the, you know, those people, Tony Busby, they never see none of it. But I don't care, even if you're... You know, you work at Lockheed Martin or down in... Yeah, you're not escaping. You're still not escaping. Because even in Clear Lake, where I, where I have to stop right before I turn to get on my school, there's there's just people just lined up, just asking for money. And a lot of them. In 102, degree heat. And a lot of them. And we can speak from not just emotion. The vast majority of the people we deal with at the mission have mental problems. They're autistic. They're they're semi. I, I hate the word retarded. I have two special needs. Uh, some of them are just downright disabled. They're They've, disabled, and, and and the response. I mean, Mister uh, Mister Antonio wasn't exactly right before no. his stroke, but he was kind of he was mean. And then now he's been rendered until he's basically like a child. But he gave his life to God. And he gave his life to God. I mean, but you have, you're right. I mean, so many people we deal with are like Dakota, yeah. like with autism. Like our, my brother has autism. There's so many people like him. And then there's even people like Carly that are literally like, they. if there wasn't, if they didn't have like that like, uh, that boy that comes down to the hobo breakfast, it's yeah. just like Carly. He didn't if he, have if he, family. If he, it was. It's not even his mom. It's his aunt that yeah. takes care. If if it wasn't for his aunt, I I don't even want to say. You know, he wouldn't be here. And and one of the sad facts, and and this still goes along with the topic, is is that we typically want to put the good of all the people off to the responsibility of the government. But there is a two year waiting list for psychiatric. Uh, mental care in Galveston. Two-year waiting list. Two-year waiting list. And and if you if you if you don't have that, it's a couple hundred bucks an hour for a counselor to sit and try to somebody that's trained with autism. Now I will tell you that 
the spiritual side is the one that's important. Even if you have that and you can get that right, then you can function. But still, the fact of the matter is that there's a mental health crisis in this nation. And the Republican religious right does not want to admit it. Nor does the liberal left that want to solve everybody's problems. They're all they're overlooked, man. And and then you wonder why you get a guy like that. Uh, I could go. We could do a whole podcast on people that have done things like this. That when you look into them, they either had Aspergers or they were autistic or they had some type of mental issue. Their IQ was extremely low. They never fit in. People pushed them away. Uh, at some point, the human spirit uh, either cracks and gives in or, or it goes the other way. Definitely. And, and it's the responsibility of the, of, of the kingdom, man, of God. It's our responsibility. And more people need to, they need to look at that. It's not about what the next thing you can obtain or the next place you can go. We have a responsibility as believers and and as believers and believers living in the most prosperous country in the in the world and i think that's a good place for us to stop yeah and 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 it's well one other thing with and you can't be you can't hate hate there's no room for hate there's not in the gospel there's there's not you you can't hate muslims you can't hate um, Hindu, Hindus, Hispanic, gays, nobody. You There's can. no room for hate, and some of the stuff that goes on with you know, when the when the immigration argument, and it disgusts me to see people when people. I mean, they're literally you live in the greatest country on the planet. If you didn't live here, you'd try to. Get you here. would be trying to. You would do every little thing possible to be getting here. And we we actually know people that are here and working and trying to help their family that are having to hide and live like dogs right now. Yeah, good people. We yeah we just seen some guy walk by. I mean, literally. So to be just so hateful that you're laughing at a mom with her little daughter trying to cross the border to give her. I mean, it's disgusting. It is. And that's another thing that we could talk. We will we'll, we'll bleed into is that in the next in the next part of this i guess this is going to be a part one of the series but is that there in a gospel of love how could the modern church be so full of hate something to ponder definitely something to ponder y'all think about this note and again hey email us messages uh Plenty of ways to get in touch with us. Podcast like your is, comment. Yeah, podcast Facebook is growing fast. I would love for more people to be. Uh, I I mean, I'm typical millennial. I have my phone on me all the time, and I would love to engage with people on the. On oh the yeah, page. absolutely. Me so, too. Uh, yeah, and Dad, he's stepping away from Facebook, but I'm the filter for people. You talk to me, I'll talk to him, or I'll get you in contact if you do want to talk to um, Dad, but. We both of us uh, monitor the page, so engage with us through there. Um, I should. I don't have episode, episode one and two are out on every pretty much every podcast platform worth using. Um, episode one is on YouTube. Episode two is not on YouTube th- uh, yet, but episode by episode three, it'll be on everything as well. 
So uh, thank you for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time. Yeah, and remember this. Socrates never will. Jesus never laughs. Definitely, definitely. And check out Dr. Cornell West if you have, have any uh, free time. He's a great, great podcast. That is good. Thank you, guys.